Friends, today we continue our series, Creed. And today, last week, we talked about God. Who is God? What do we believe about God? How is God at work in our lives? How do we recognize God? And this week, we talk about the second person of what we call the Trinity. The Trinity is the way we talk about the three persons of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So today, we talk about Jesus, the Son of God. And you've heard these words out loud that the people of God believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. This is the line we skip. He descended to hell. Even if you look in the the hymnal, there's a little asterisk where that line should be, and it says, oh, we moved that one out. You know why? People don't want to talk about hell. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Let us go to the Gospel of John to the first chapter, beginning in the first verse. I'm going to skip around a little bit so you can follow along on the screens or in your Bibles or in your electronic devices, but whatever you do, just follow along. And I'm going to ask you to stand this morning in reverence to the gospel. The gospel according to John, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. Down to verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, 
And we have seen his glory, and the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this, is, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is the only Son, himself God, who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. And in verse 29, the next day, John the baptizer saw Jesus coming toward him and he declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, do it. Lord, have your way. Speak to our hearts and our minds and our souls. Take this, your servant, and hide her behind that old rugged cross so that everything that is said and everything that is heard comes straight from you, O God. This is your servant's prayer. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The truth of the matter is that I can preach about Jesus for days on end. The truth of the matter is that even if we walked verse by verse through this text this morning, we would need several days to understand it all and to get through it all. There is so much to say, so much to teach, so much to preach, so much to experience about Jesus that it's hard to boil it down for a Sunday morning sermon. This is why it is so incredibly important that you are participating in a grow group. This is why it's critical that you are in a small group where you are learning and talking and hearing and sharing and turning the word of God inside out and upside down so that you can learn about Jesus. Because the truth of the matter is that Jesus is more than words. Jesus is more than the genie in the bottle that we've tried to turn Jesus into saying, oh, come on, Jesus, do it for me. Jesus is more than the one who we boil down into three words on Easter. He got up. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. 
And there's so much for us to understand about Jesus. So I'm just going to jump in this morning and we'll see where the Lord leads us, okay? <laughs> the gospel according to John starts very differently than the rest of the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John start with a narrative story and catch us up on where Jesus has come from. We understand the genealogy of Jesus from two of the Gospels, and we understand that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary from two of our Gospel readings. But we don't read that in John because John starts in a different place. Let me pause here for a moment. In the last two years in the United Methodist Church, the belief of the virgin birth has become a weapon. People falsely claiming that United Methodists do not believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. It is absolutely ludicrous and it is heartbreaking that people believe that someone had believe it when someone tells them that United Methodists do not believe in the virgin birth. It has literally torn congregations apart and this lie is one of the huge factors that is driving disaffiliation in the United Methodist Church. So I need you to be clear this morning. As followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine. We believe that Jesus is a part of the Trinity, God in one. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. And it's important that we understand that point because if we don't understand how Jesus got to us, then we can't really fully understand what we believe about Jesus. Jesus came to us as a miracle. Jesus came to us as a gift. Jesus came to us as a blessing. And it was meant to blow your minds. It was meant to blow my mind. It was meant to prove a point that God can do anything at all. So let's be clear. <laughs> That's been there for a while. Thank y'all for letting me get that out. The other question I get about Jesus all the time is, when did Jesus actually show up? Well, the Gospel of John tells us, in the beginning was the Word. Logos is, the, is, the, is the, the, the Greek word there, the word. In the beginning, there was nothing but the word. See, if you go back to Genesis, what is Genesis said? God created heaven and earth. And how did God create heaven and earth? Through the word, God spoke 
spoke it into being. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He equals Jesus was in the beginning with, what does it say? God. So when did Jesus show up? Say it again. When did Jesus show up? And how did Jesus get here? All right. And, and when did Jesus get to earth? Birth. Just like you and me. Thank you, Jesus. All things, the Gospel of John says, all things, all things came into being in him, through him. And then it has this note, without Jesus, a.k.a. the Word, a.k.a. Logos, a.k.a. him, through Jesus, and without Jesus, not one thing came into being. Oh, oh you thought you did that? <laughs> you, you thought you created that? You thought that was your thought on your own? Without Jesus... Nothing came into the world. What has come into being in him, and this is my favorite part. There's so many profound statements in John. We could just walk through John for a year and still be learning things. But, but, but here's my favorite thing. Um, in him was life. What came into being in him was life. Let's put a pin right here. Another question that people ask the preacher all the time is, when does eternal life begin? In fact, it is a question that all United Methodist pastors have to answer through the Board of Ordained Ministry to be ordained. In fact, we have to answer it over and over and over again through the district committee, through the SPRC and the local church, through the district committee of ordained ministry, through your mentors, through the conference board of ordained ministry at provisional membership. When we say, you can try on being a preacher and then we'll let you know if you can do it for real. And then again, when it's time to be ordained, you have to write paper upon paper upon paper on this, and you have to understand what eternal life is and what the impact is for us. Spoiler alert, eternal life does not begin when you die. Uh-oh. Hear me, eternal life does not begin when you die. Eternal life is right now. You can choose to live with Jesus right now. 
So, so much of our theology has gotten messed up because we like to sing songs that people just create and they haven't checked out their theology. Theology is a big word that means what we believe about God. That's why the hymns are so important. They teach us sound theology. Get you one of these. It's a hymnal. In the back, there is an index. And if you want to know what we believe about grace, look up grace. If you want to know what we believe about heaven, look up heaven. If you, if you want to know what we believe about healing, about the Holy Spirit, about God, about communion, about creation, it's all right here. And easy to understand words for the most part. It used to be, Dr. Bob, that every United Methodist had a Bible and a hymnal in their home. But, but I won't harp on that right now. Trouble don't last always is a phrase that reminds us that eternal life is now. Amen. That we can live abundant life right now. That you don't have to wait to die and go to heaven to live a good life. Let me say, let me say a little bit more about this because it's important about what we believe about Jesus. If we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if we believe that Jesus is the Savior, which, did you know that the name Jesus, Yeshua, actually means Savior, Deliverer? The, the human name of Jesus means Savior, Deliverer. Christ means what? Who went to Sunday school this morning? What does Christ mean? Oh, come on, y'all. The sun. It means the anointed one. Christ and Messiah means the anointed one. So the human name of Jesus means savior, deliverer. The God name, Christ, means anointed one. You see where this is going? In slavery, the slaves were taught that you have to wait until you die to live abundant life. It was a mean and a cruel thing. It was a means of control. And some churches now still teach that same thing so that they can control people. There are whole empires that still teach that if you obey me, human, then when you get to heaven, you will have a good life. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is bondage. The gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us that in the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was abundant life. In the beginning was the God who created you in the image of God, who sustains you, who gives you a good and fruitful and faithful life right now. Stop putting up with all this mess. 
because God lived, died, and was raised from the dead for you so that you might live an abundant life right now. Abundance does not mean have a lot of stuff. That's not what abundant life is about. Abundant life doesn't even mean easy. What it means is the life that God intended to us, the life of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of self-control. What am I talking about? Abundant life is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about what you have. It's about how you live. Oh, there's so much to talk about this morning. I know, I know. Okay. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light which enlivens everyone was coming into the world. (sighs) Meanwhile, there was John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. You remember the baby that leapt in Elizabeth's womb when Mary went to visit her cousin? That baby is born. That baby is living. That baby is doing the good work that God called him to do. And he is now John the baptizer, the crazy man who lives in the wilderness and wears all kinds of funky clothing. And people talk about him and make fun of him. But he's in the middle of the wilderness. Hear this. He's in the middle of nowhere hear this he's in the middle of the bush he's in the middle of life he's in the middle of chaos he's in the middle of the wilderness and he's putting people in water and he's saying oh just wait and see because the one that comes behind me will baptize you with the holy spirit and that's where you will find life Jesus came into the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know. That's the scary part. So many of us go to church every week. We listen to four and five sermons on the radio and the TV and live stream and in our own local churches. We profess to know Jesus. But we would not know Jesus if Jesus walked down that aisle right now. It's a sad reality. And it's okay if it hurts your feelings to hear that. 
It's time for us to grow up in God. God says that we're to get off the milk, that we're not to be babies and we're not to be adolescents, but we're to grow up in God. And people who grow up in God will know that there are a whole lot of people talking about Jesus who have never actually met Jesus. A whole lot of people who sing songs like, Oh, how I love Jesus. No, you don't. Because if you love Jesus, you would live the way that Jesus tells us to, to live. And we wouldn't be living in the kind of world where we live in a world of chaos, a world of hatred, a world of injustice, a world of intolerance, a world of pain, a world of lack, a world of so much need. We wouldn't be living like this if we actually knew and loved the real Jesus. We love baby Jesus. Baby Jesus is cute and harmless. We can't stand the Jesus that the, that the, the Romans and the Jews captured, that they beat and he bled and died on our behalf. We don't like that Jesus because he's too what? Political. I can't tell you how many times I've been told you are too political from the pulpit. Have you read the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's all about politics. Do you know why Jesus had to die? Because the people in power were afraid that he was getting too much power, both in the church and in the world. Do you understand that during the triumphal entry, that when Jesus came it back into Jerusalem, when we are waving palms and singing our loud hosannas, we miss something. Jesus is standing off to the side, weeping. While we are celebrating. Do you know why Jesus is weeping? Because history has repeated itself. Back up a little bit to the Old Testament. The Israelites say, God, we want a king. 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 And God says, you don't want a king. We want a king. You don't want a king. We want a king. If I give you a king, things are going to be bad. We want a king. They keep saying and demanding a king. So God gives them a king. And what happens? Things go bad. And then they're begging Jesus for relief. And history has repeated itself. The people are begging for a king. The people are begging for anyone but the Roman kings that they have. And they think that Jesus has come as king to save them from the Romans. But do you know what the Bible says? It says it in John. It says it in every single gospel. It says that Jesus did not come to save them from the Romans. 
Jesus did not come as a human king comes as a warrior that comes and scoops the people out and rules over them. Jesus came to save them from themselves. It's quiet. Jesus' entire ministry was about justice and righteousness. And if we can't talk about politics, then we can't talk about justice and righteousness. And if we don't understand that Jesus came to save the people from themselves, that's why we want to worship an image of a Jesus that never could have existed. And we make our stuff into our idols. Because we don't want to talk about who Jesus really is. Because the truth of the matter is that we would be leading the crowd saying crucify him. The problem is that there is literal physical proof that Jesus existed. Atheists don't like that. Historians get bothered by it. Because it means that we have to put the mirror up to ourselves and say that indeed we are sinners. Indeed we are people who miss the mark over and over again. That Moses gave the law. Did you hear that in the Bible today? In, in verse, um, where was it? Verse 14 through 18. Moses gave the law, but Jesus gave grace and truth. So Jesus boiled down all of these laws that we have in the Old Testament into two rules. Love God, love God's people. And still, we can't get it right. From hundreds, 700 plus laws that the Jewish people were required to know by heart to two rules that we should know by heart and we still can't get it right. I tell my disciple class all the time, well, they ask, well, what about this, Pastor? Well, does that mean this? I mean, they want, they want an answer for everything. They want everything boiled down into A, B, C, D, E, just like most church people. But here's the answer to all your questions. Does it help you love God more fully? And does it help you or enable you or lead you to love God's people more wholly? If it doesn't, then the answer is no. Don't do it. Don't get into it. But if the answer is yes, let the Lord lead you. Who is Jesus? Savior, deliverer, anointed one. Where did Jesus come from? The Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. But before that, from God in the very beginning.
Why is Jesus different? He's the light of the world. The light who brings life. And not just any life, but abundant life. Why did Jesus turn the world upside down? He said, you have a brain. God gave you a brain. Use it. You don't need 700 laws to tell you how to tie your shoes. What you need to know is, do you love Jesus? Does your action, does your behavior help you to love God? And does your behavior, your action, this life that I have given you, help you to love God's people? Justice means to make right, to set right. Righteousness means to be set right with God. Jesus' whole ministry was about justice and righteousness, setting things right with God and God's people. Justice is a spiritual issue. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, his whole ministry was about setting things right in this world. And if we're not interested in setting things right in this world, then we're not interested in Jesus. If Jesus was walking up and down Peachtree Street... Jesus would be turning over the temples, the tables in our temples, in our churches, in our hospitals, in our courthouses, in our governmental chambers. Jesus would be pursuing equity. He would be pursuing grace. He would be pursuing mercy and justice and righteousness and love. If Jesus was walking up and down Peachtree Street, we would call him crazy because he would be on the side of the poor and the oppressed. Jesus would be saying, why do you hate people? Why do you do things that make people poor? Why do you do things that make people hungry? Why do you have to have more than everybody else? One of my favorite rebukes I've gotten as a pastor in almost 20 years of ministry now is when I read a scripture and somebody wasn't paying attention and thought that they were my words. I can't believe you said that from the pulpit. Here's what I said. Jesus has come because the spirit of the Lord is upon him. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I can't believe you said that from the pulpit. You're so political. Those words are from Isaiah 61, saying that the Messiah was on the way, and this was going to be the work of the Messiah. 
And then they're repeated in Luke chapter 4 by Jesus the Messiah himself telling the people of his own hometown what his job was. You know what comes after today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing? Jesus said, it's okay. You won't get it. A prophet is never at home in his own hometown. Hear this clearly. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said... Stronger than that, he declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here is the one who stands on the sideline of the parades and weeps because yet again we have missed it. The Savior of the world has not come to save us from politics. He has not come to save us from princes. He has not come to save us from principalities. He has come to save us from ourselves. Because if we recognize our sin... If we recognize that we have missed the mark, then we can change our behavior. And in changing our behavior, we can transform the world. And if we transform the world, we don't need anybody to save us from Rome. I love the sweet little baby Jesus just like anybody else. The worship team will tell you I come alive at Advent. I love Advent when we're preparing the way to celebrate the birth of the baby Jesus. But the Jesus I need is the one who came to set the captives free. The Jesus I need is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. The Jesus I need is the one who rebuked his parents when he got lost in the temple. The Jesus I need is the one who turned the tables over in the temple and said, you brood of vipers, you are turning the house of God into a den of robbers. The Jesus I need is the one who healed the people on the side of the road that nobody else would go to. The Jesus I need is the savior of the universe who was beat down, bled, and died for me. And on the third day, he got up. He was raised from the dead so that you and I might have life. So do you believe in Jesus?
The word creed means a statement of belief. So I need to know, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in this radical Jesus whose mission was justice and righteousness, whose job was to help us love? We're going to get back to children and youth ministry with urgency in this place. Because it was in the children's choir, Ted, that I learned my theology of Jesus. I used to hate giving my whole Saturday to children's choir rehearsal. You had to do your chores and you had to go to children's choir rehearsal. But I don't, I never forget the words to those songs. If every time somebody asks me about Jesus, this is the song that comes to my mind. I believe in Jesus Christ, who's the healer of all life. From heaven he came down. Oh, what joy I found. No, no, you were not there. You don't know when or where. You don't know what he's done for me. But he gave me the victory. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Everybody, everybody say yes. I'm a believer. Simple. And even before that, Jesus, I'm depending on you. That's the first song I ever learned. My Aunt Mary taught it to me while she was pushing me back and forth in my stroller. Jesus, I'm depending on you. Jesus, I'm depending on you. I'm depending on you to see me through. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust? in Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Then act like it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.